Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. I pose the question without repeating numbers. Bill, your best lineup from single-digit jersey numbers where they've worn the, the single-digit for over half of their career, at least over half. Because I am twisted. And mean and cruel. That's At sort times. of just ra- that's just sort of wrapped <laughs> into twisted. Okay. All right. So because I know that that Pat has gone into extraordinary depths for his list, I'll do mine because I was very superficial. <laughs> So you're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Mine was a a friend of mine called me and I'm like, no, really, I have to get off the phone. I have to do this list. (laughs) It's like 340. I've got to go. (laughs) (laughs) You waited to the last minute to do your homework. Always. I always got the best grades in college when I did that. So anywho, um, without repeating numbers, my starting six are number one, Roberto Luongo. Number two, on defense, Vyacheslav Fetisov. Number five on defense, Nicholas Lidstrom. And then I couldn't really find in my hasty rush to do all of this um, a suitable left or right winger so I, I got two centers and one's going to be pushed into right wing um <laughs> number four jean beliveau as center number eight igor larianov as right wing moved to right wing he is normally a center and number nine because i like him and i don't care that um everyone's going to go with gordy Howe, paul korea at left wing Ah, damn. Hmm. See? Last minute, I do my best work. <laughs> that's, that's a real sort of mighty might first line you got. Bellavo was a pretty big guy, wasn't he? he was well, nice. yeah, but the other two definitely weren't. <laughs> no, no, no. So you, so you yeah, you kind of got that, you know. Bellavo had a little nastiness in his game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lidstrom and Fetisov played together in Detroit. That's, yeah. Hmm. I give that... I give that an A-. You, you, went, you went off the reservation... You went off the, um, off the ranch with a few of those. I don't want to say reservation anymore because it sounds really... That yes yeah um, well yeah I mean it, you know I had I had like number three I was like Scott Stevens and I thought wait no no he didn't do the majority of his careers in number three nope. God that sucks and then I was I like Zadina Chara nope, nope nope didn't do that one either so <laughs> <laughs> it's that little caveat that screws everything up yep. and I cursed you so there you go. To the ha ha. So there you I, go. That's my list. It, there was no deep thought involved in it. It was just okay. That looks good. 
Now I'm sure Pat probably has a he, whole he starting over. lineup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he thought that went over beyond what he did all my thinking for me. How about I, I <laughs> almost put an all TV team together. Oh, but unfortunately, God. Joe Micheletti didn't play enough games with the number six in Colorado <laughs> to make it work. <laughs> I had my goalie and I had my defense. Well, Micheletti was a defenseman, but I digress. Um, I think I did a ton of thought into it, but uh-huh. you, you're, you're going to hear some of the similar stuff. Um, number one, starting in net, Roberto Longo. Two-time All-Star, won the Jennings, four-time Vesna finalist, Hart finalist, and he will be inducted into the Hall of Fame one day. Um, at number two, starting on defense, Brian Leach. You know, five-time All-Star, two-time Norris, Calder, Conn Smythe, Stanley Cup winner, and Hockey Hall of Famer, which won't be a running theme because forwards got tough. Um, I also went with Nick Lidstrom. Enough said. He's quote unquote the perfect human being. Twelve time All Star, seven time Norris, whatever. Um, I also went with Igor Larionov. How can you not go with the professor? Exactly. He has one of the best nicknames ever. He really does. And you know, as one of the bigger caveats for me is, I wanted to pick only players that I had seen play in person. And he's one of them. Uh, You know, I have a tough time selecting and picking guys that played in the seventies and, you know, the early eighties, because I didn't see them play on television or in person. (laughs) Hey, hey, I'll I'll get to that point in a minute. Mm Because I I also have my uh, extra notes. Um, Notes. You know, and then I had, a, you know, several forwards at number seven. I was really tempted to put in Matt Cullen just because I love Matt Cullen. But he only won two of his three cups wearing number seven, um, which is the one number he wore the most. I know. So uh, at number four, also at forward, I went with Vincent LeCavalier. Ooh. I Only- looked at him, and then I thought, well, I mean, Le Cavalier is kind of a pale imitation of Bilova. <laughs> He's, he, he is the poor man of this roster. Um, Voluntarily. Yes. No, he is the richest <laughs> of the rich, depending on what, you know, Russian Super League uh, paid Larionov in a brown bag after, you know, before he went to the NHL. Um, Because that's the scary thing about Larionov. He only won three Stanley Cups and was a Hockey Hall of Famer. God knows what would have happened if he played his entire career in North America. Good Lord. He would have had to have uh, gone the Pavel Burt or the Alex Mogilny route (laughs) to have done that. So, I mainly chose him... Because he was the better pick over a Taylor Hall who has worn number four most of his career, but Taylor Hall did most of his best work playing for New Jersey, so he doesn't get any of that credit of being the Hart Trophy winner or the All-Star. And then I also avoided Gordie Howe and went with Mike Madonna. 
He was right. on my list, and then I crossed him out because I like Paul Korea better. <laughs> I, I thought about Korea, but I, I I saw Madonna and Larianoff as the wingers and LeCavalier down the middle, just because I want I want the smart guy on the boards, and Madonna was fast once upon a time, so just let the big kid, you know, clog up the the middle. I gave that an A minus as well. That's that was that's some damn damned fine work. Both of you, congratulations. Thanks. I <clears throat> I went Johnny Bauer wearing number one and then threw in um uh, a curveball with Red Kelly wearing number four. Cause he could play forward. Or defense. That's right. <laughs> and I, instead of going Nick Littrum, I went Denny Potvan. Wearing number five. Then Phil Esposito. And then I, I, I'll, I'll be the guy. I took Ovechkin wearing eight. And put him next to Gordy Howe wearing nine. I like it would have been an ugly tandem on the ice, couldn't it? <laughs> right. Just, I mean, I I, I, I could have gone. So for eight, I was really going, if I'm going to put Gordie Howe out there, I wonder if I should also put Cam Neely out there wearing number eight, because that'd be fun. <laughs> Esposito, Howe, and Neely. <laughs> So what you're saying is we're going to do the starting lineup of all one number one Best. day. <laughs> Goaltenders excluded because goalies can't have fun. Unless they're Luongo, Sawchuck, Plant, Johnny Bauer. Um, so. Fun with their number is what fun. I'm talking about. Well... John Davidson, if we were counting double zero, but you know. look, I tried to fit Neil Sheehy in here somehow, but he he only had a cup of coffee with with uh, Hartford as the only single zero, <laughs> and I did not need to look that up to know either. <laughs> that was not part of my research. The worst part is I know that's true. <laughs> you didn't have to look it up. You had that right on the top of your damned head. Yes, <clears throat> he did. Is you are just like a Carolinian Jeff Merrick in some of this crap. It's it's that it's that oddball weird stuff that that you and Sean McIndoe and Merrick just pull out out of nowhere. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I the uh, reformed Flyer fan in me did want to give shoutouts to Bill Barber, Mark Recky. No one on defense outside of Mark Howe. Uh, mm. I was prepared to go down a few roads that way as well. I I kicked around pulling in a number two, but man, eh. it was going to be either Brian Leach or Doug Harvey, but not Eddie Shore. Like no. old time hockey. No, no old time hockey like Eddie Shore. I like pulling the Cavalier in though. That was 
I thought cheeky. about it. I thought about La Caballé, and then I thought, no, no. And then there was this other guy I, I slowly considered for the period of time wearing number four. Uh, who was a forward? Newsy Lalonde. Oh, great Newsy Lalonde. And oh my gosh. I look. We should no longer give away a uh, uh, Cy Young Award for the player with most goals and least assists. It should officially be called the New Zealand Lalonde, because good <laughs> lord, that man. Mm-hmm. Once just, you gave him the puck, you never got it back? <laughs> yeah, just his NHL, not his NHA totals. 125 goals, 42 assists. I mean, not even... That's not even Ovechkin level. His highest assist total in a single season. Now, granted, these seasons were like 24 games at most. It was 10. So he balanced it out. But, yeah. oh, my God, the, those first few, you know, Hall of Fame induction classes were bare. Because here's a guy who barely played, you know, more than 100 games. Yes, I know. World Wars. And there, there were extenuating circumstances for it, but... But there was more than that, too. I mean, if you can put up 125 goals in less than 100 games, that's pretty impressive at, you know, the dawn of the sport. But I was scratching my head looking at that sentence like, he was a... He's a Hall of Famer because of these... Oh, yeah, the war. Yeah. Well, but also remember, he played... He would have been playing in that time when the forward pass wasn't allowed, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Talk about not trusting your teammates, though. <laughs> uh, seriously. I, well, that's why I said, you know, he's that he's that guy that once you give him the puck, you'll never see it again. It's either I'm, going in the net or it's being turned over. Yeah, I'm just shocked he had to wait for the third induction class, which was like every two to three years. It was very strange how they got things started once once upon a time, and it wasn't until 58 where there was an annual induction. So I learned a few things on the quasi-secure Hockey Hall of Fame website. Uh, what do you say quasi-secure? Like <laughs> the security of the, of the NHL stats matters? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I mean, SSL barely works on the site, but that's, that's another story. <laughs> I do have access to Phil Pritchard's uh, phone number, so I might need to get him to put me in touch with some people. Some oh. consulting work. We 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 uh, we uh, offer reasonable rates. <laughs> I'm probably going to be in a very weird mood because I've spent most of my down non-hockey watching time this week watching clips of the old Craig Ferguson Late Late Show. Uh-oh. Oh, that's yeah. And, and oh my god, I forgot how goddamn awesome that show was at points. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. We're good. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> yeah, I kind of really did. I mean, everybody's, I'm assuming everybody has watched the games, or at least the majority of the games. We don't need to really talk about the games. I mean, you know, we're sad that Carolina got bounced. 
mm-hmm. very we're very sad that that the bear was poked apparently um yeah i'm just you know awkward pause <laughs> cuz i'm not going to get into the whole milbury thing everybody's this is kind of like twitter today it's like i'm not going to pile on everyone's piled on enough for me Man's not going to be on TV again for the rest of this Stanley Cup, but I, there's no need for me to comment. Everybody said what I wanted to say. Some said it more eloquently and with far more curse words than I would use, which I found amazing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, what, um, else, what else has gone on this week, guys? Oh, oh hey, hey. <laughs> hey, this is uh, this has been a bit wild. I um, I have a remote office because everybody's working from home, and I don't like being stuck in the house. And I take one of our cars that's a, a sport utility type vehicle. It's got a lovely back cargo area that split tailgate, so the top and the bottom can open. So I take that car and park it at one of our lovely waterside parks around here, and and just sort of sit in the back and with my laptop and work. Actually, it's meeting day. Anyway, um, so I, I did this Thursday and watching another car um, drive up from the bottom parking lot of this particular beach access park. It had a release the Kraken flag fluttering in the wind as it drove past me. Uh, hmm. That's terribly interesting. Huh. Okay. And then later that day when I went to the grocery store, I was walking out of the store and a guy was walking or I was walking in the store and a guy was walking out of the store wearing a Release the Kraken t-shirt. I thought, okay. That is two very distinct different areas in this northwest, western Washington region that I have seen two Kraken fans. Or at least two Kraken fanlets. We don't know if they're full-born fan yet. We don't have a team. But I thought that was terribly interesting, given that this was before the the team store had opened. The physical store had opened. So these people were obviously lucky enough to get in on the merchandise buying before the website crashed and all that crap. But <clears throat> kind of, hmm, yeah. I don't particularly think that was interesting to anyone else but me, but I just found it curious. Yeah, it's it is interesting because you know it's like you just yeah there have been a lot of like there's been a lot of press around the season tickets and deposits and things like that, but you know the cynical part of most of us hockey fans from that area is like, but are, are all of those really from Puget Sound area? How many of those are from Vancouver? How many of those are, are, you know, scalpers? How many of those are from Portland? Is that really local people who really want to do that? And so, you know, I mean, I, I follow a number of people from the Pacific Northwest on Twitter. And, of course, everybody is enthusiastic about the Kraken. And, you know, personally, I'm waiting for the jerseys to come out before I buy anything. Because um, otherwise I'd have a closet full of stuff. But... You know, it's good to know that there are people wandering around. I actually have um, 
my friend Sue, who I'd been doing a, a hockey podcast before previously to this one, um, she will randomly take pictures of people that she sees, you know, discreetly um, <laughs> wearing Kraken merchandise as well. So, so that's starting to get some traction, I guess. Um, <clears throat> thank you, one, for letting me know that she does it discreetly, and two, that she's out there doing it. Because now I'm going to be even on higher alert. Should I ever wear any Kraken merchandise? (laughs) (laughs) Because because as we all know, I loathe getting my picture taken. So even if it is done serendipitously. Yeah, I mean, you know, she is in Maple Valley. I stay out of that area. Well, then you should be safe. Yeah. You should be safe. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's good to see that, like, people are doing what everybody expects them to rather than what us cynical, you know, Pacific Northwesterners are like, yeah, but is that really going to happen that way? (laughs) So, you know, seeing, seeing stuff out in the wild. Seeing wild kraken? Wild Kraken. I've still yet to see a wild Kraken. Octopus are very shy. Mm. And also, you're you're probably not a diver, so, you know. You probably haven't gone to the Seattle Aquarium in a while. Why in the hell was the first thing I thought of a Jamie Benn joke? (laughs) Something, something deep. I have been watching too many clips of Craig Ferguson. So, yes, that's, that's <laughs> Or you've just been on hockey Twitter for far too long. Or I'm just a, again, more than likely the case, I'm just permanently mentally 14 years old when it comes to that and also being relieved of duties. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, get, I relieve of myself of duties every day. Well, you also have a child who's what potty training. (laughs) Yes, he he relieves himself of duties frequently too, Uh and 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 apparently some of you know some other people have relieved head coaches of duties. Mm -hmm. How much duty did Todd Reardon really have, though? I don't know, but they sure put enough of it on the ice. And it was stanky funky. Was was yeah. this their penance to uh, to uh, torts for uh, trots? Sorry, I was having a moment because we were talking about the merchandise, and I was like, "Why is John Tortorella wearing a Fanatics whatever zip up all playoff?" But no. Uh, to uh, to trot, you know, putting out that garbage team and letting them just get steamrolled that whole series. Um, yeah, I kind of. 
tell maybe the writing was on the wall with him last season. The way they kind of didn't really look that great. And this year they were, eh, okay, but boy, the way they came into this return to play, this was not healthy. And hearing Brian McClellan's comments, I, I think he had his hand over the trigger. And I think that the team survived. They held off Philadelphia until the pause hit, but sounds like he was ready to make a change as soon as december yeah it's i i got i got the feeling yeah yeah i got the feeling that was going to be kind of a case now what do they do because there can't be no Boudreaux's available. Oh, yeah. Wait a yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, no. Boudreaux's going to Toronto. Everyone knows this. I think. I, That's what I know, keep hearing. Jesus. You talk about. I, I think they're smarter than. I think the Toronto media is smarter than we give them credit for. I think they just continue to perpetuate these myths and, and, and conspiracy theories until they gain enough traction that. Everyone just goes, yeah, it's going to happen. It should happen. And then the persons involved just go, yeah, why don't we do that? And they just, they're, they're manifesting their own destiny. And that's why the team and the organization has largely been garbage for the better part of going on 20 years. Because of that cyclic poop loop, right? Mm-hmm. They just continue to put out crap in the media that becomes back around as as wrote so um speaking of people who were let go so dale Tannen, talon left as florida panthers gm worst Jeez. kept secret in hockey I know, right? did he leave well it doesn't matter he's he's going away so <laughs> the the interesting thing that i found yesterday <laughs> The interesting thing they found yesterday was um, Mark Lazarus from uh, The Athletic, Chicago, uh, tweeted that Elliot Friedman said on Hockey Night that Kevin Weeks has interviewed for the vacant Florida Panthers job, GM job. Yeah. To which I would say to Mr. Weeks, whom I adore, and my God in heaven, I wish they could wrangle him away from the NHL network and get him on on whatever big TV broadcast partner is going to be next. Um, <clears throat> run the hell away, Kevin. <laughs> run the hell. Whatever direction they're running to you in, run the opposite. Well, but see, here's the problem is that something's broken and it's broken ugly. So what happens? People decide to try to hire a black man or a woman to fix it. Because they don't think anyone can fix it, and you know, if they fail, then it's no big deal. But if a white man were to be hired and to fail, well, that's a problem. An NHL history story by <laughs> the author's name. <laughs> but then, on top of that, you know, it's like the black person or the woman 
and or woman, because it may be the same person, you know, feel that they have to take this position in order to get their toe in the door. And it's kind of a not good situation, I think. But because, I mean, how many GM positions is Kevin Weeks really going to be able to interview for? I think by the time we're all done with this return to play thing, probably two, maybe three. <laughs> maybe. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, only because the current current uh, cultural environment is uh, is benefiting him right now, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. Okay, okay. Then. I mean, he does. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve one because clearly he does. The man is oh, amazing, God. but this is the NHL. And I would, I'd gonna just not the Florida job. Don't put yourself in that situation. That is, that is striving for failure. That is not even setting yourself up for success. That's setting yourself up to be just kicked to the curb in a couple of months. Then let me throw this at you. Is the Arizona situation? Thank you. A better, a better opportunity for said Mister Weeks. Good God, you're like three thousand miles away, and you just read my mind like a Dick and Jane book. <laughs> yes, emphatically, yes. That ownership group has already. Proven they're more stable, and I'm not talking about financially. I'm just literally talking about not being batshit crazy. Are you um, sure about that? Because remember what they wrote about um, Chica leaving? Oh no, no, no! <laughs> I think that was fully just. I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. The guy bounced. The guy bounced on him. Have at it. You know, if it, it, that relationship was that sour, eh, I don't care. I don't think you'll see John Chaka in an NHL GM position again. I think that's his. I, I get the feeling he's the, he's a one and dunner. Mm-hmm. He'll move off into doing something else. Like he'll be somebody's, you know, president of hockey analytics or something. But I don't think we'll ever see him be a GM again. And I'd totally be fine with that, because... <clears throat> but Kevin Weeks, uh, yeah. You know, huh? Exactly who I was kind of hoping. Maybe going, hey, you know what? Does he have any interest in GMing? How about we go ask him? Because there's some things here that we can do. You know? There are some players here. There are some... We got stuff. We got stuff and things here. I, you know, if he were to do it, I would hope to good, God, I would hope to God, um, that he picks a situation that he's got a modicum of of a chance for success. I do not see that in Florida. As a first time GM, I don't see it in Florida. I wouldn't put anybody in Florida who hasn't been a GM for like. Well, as long as Dale Talon almost, because you're going to have to manage up and down and sideways in that organization. Uh, 
So Dean Lombardi should come back because he's good at playing risk. Oof. Oh, ow. I, I mean, and also, I mean, just the military jargon and history he could just throw back at these guys. Makes you wonder. But back to the Coyotes, because one other thing is part of the, you know, weeks is interviewing stuff that that Friedman dropped last night on Hockey Night, which could make the Arizona job, you know, a bit more enticing because like going in year one to these two organizations, you have more to work with in Florida. You have more cap space, a little more flexible roster. But then you've got all the surrounding chaos behind the scenes. At least in Arizona, you've got one really tough hamstrung year. And then you've got a lot coming off your books. Right. You've got some talent, you know, in the organization. And there may be some willingness on someone's part. I don't know who to move an aging Oliver Ekman Larson, who at age 29 is about to, you know, hit that downward slope at a 8.25 cap hit. I mean, it makes you wonder. Yeah, you're you're, in, you're you're following the breadcrumbs I'm laying around. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I think if you really want to put a thumbprint on a franchise, and do it, you know, make it yours, that would be the better one. Versus whatever in the name of gravy is going to happen in Florida. Oy. I don't, I don't know. God, you've got all that room, but what can you're going to be able to do with it's a different story. Um. <clears throat> okay, that's enough for me. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you got it all out. I pretty much did. I, yeah, you know, every, everyone complaining about the game starting too late on Sunday today. And I'm just sitting here laughing, going, yeah. It happens all the time. <laughs> it's nothing new. Well, I, I don't get what you're... I, 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 I get it. I, I, I sympathize, and I can empathize to a certain degree. I loved having breakfast hockey and lunch hockey and dinner hockey in a single day, but we're kind of past the point where we have the number of teams for that, so... Mm. So, uh, so I'm, I'm going to do something a little strange here. I'm going to give kudos to the league. What? Yeah. They they are trying to get this thing wrapped up. The they fact really that, are. The fact that they are being wise about, let's get this over as, as soon as possible. Let's limit the number of off days by starting, you know, one of the Western Conference, whatever final, whatever, you know, pejorative term you want to use. Because they're not really quarterfinals or semifinal. No, it's just the round of eight. Um, 
get it started, get everything compressed, still using slotting in back-to-back games, especially around, you know, games five and six, where a lot of these series are already wrapping up. May not be the case this round since there isn't as big a disparity between each set of teams, say for the Islanders. Uh, you watch your mouth. <laughs> Look, Anthony Bavillier is having a God. brilliant postseason, God, but uh, Andy Green will fall apart at some yeah. point, and yeah. he may have been their best defenseman against the Caps, which oof, says more about Washington. Yes. Thank you. Um, no, let's let's wrap this thing up. Let's use fewer resources. Let's get the cup awarded before October if we can. I love the people who are like thinking that the NHL is trying to do this from a humanitarian perspective. Oh, you know, it's great that these they're trying to get these guys out of here so they can go back to their families. And I'm sitting here thinking cynically, they're trying to wrap this up so that they can save money because the longer this goes, the longer they have to pay for everything. Exactly. <laughs> but there is the fringe benefit for everyone yes. because of that. Yes. Right. I mean, the two things don't, you know, you can do the one for greed, but, you know, you can also feel good about being greedy. Yeah. <laughs> and also right? doing it because, uh, guess what? No one's families are coming to the bubble in Edmonton. I wouldn't. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I I heard a couple of those interviews. One of like Marcia So was sort of yes. like going, yeah, they promised this or they told us all these things and they changed their mind. And now that we're thinking about it, nah, I'm not. You know, maybe not so much with the family. Yeah. yeah. I don't want four kids in a, you know, quarantine in a hotel room for five days or whatever. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> they can only do so much damage inside, you know, whatever the um, Edmonton redacted CFL football team's uh, football stadium is each day, you know? I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, you know, if, if, Teams are, you know, there's open rooms, right? There's open floors, right? Mm. Let's kids run roughshod on the floor. I mean, they can't do any more damage to a hotel than like Led Zeppelin in the 70s. Yeah. Or <laughs> a men's Olympic team. Or, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Or, or, or a men's hockey team in Japan. You know, it's, I mean, come on. They can quarantine on a floor in a hotel room for a week. Yeah, go at it, kids. Yeah, they're trying to consolidate like hotels too as they're going along. Before the, huh? They only had the one in Edmonton. It was they the JW Marriott. They had two in Edmonton, and after the first group like fell out, they started moving everybody into the Marriott. But they still have team personnel, so not the players or the coaching staff, but like. Support staff, GM staying even in a third hotel. Yeah, we're just talking players right now. Oh, well. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's um, it's civic greed. <laughs> yeah, they're being greedy because it's costing them a boatload of money to do this. And nobody's getting, apparently, the reward points, right? For JW Marriott and and the Royal and you know nobody's getting reward points so you can't 
upgrade your room next time you're actually and going to drop honestly the league did the press a favor by not letting him in the bubble because god knows the complaints we don't hear about that yeah. oh the the press are like an old an old married couple right that are in a restaurant together and the waiter just comes up and says is anything all right <laughs> you know oh the soup's too cold Oh, this chicken's too hot. You know, uh, good evening. Is anything all right? That's the press. Oh, we can't stand Tortorella doing this. Ha ha, it wasn't Jack. You know, Jack Edwards is funny. You know, blah, blah, blah. Pick one. Mm-hmm. You know. We need more of this in our game. We don't like this. Oh, shut the hell up. He's just a giant piss baby. Yeah, the pushback. <laughs> the pushback on the torts thing does piss me off. Yeah, who's 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 the piss baby here? He won't answer my question. He left after two questions. You know why? Because he's mad. He's pissed off, and he makes one mistake. He's out. You know, twenty-five thousand dollars, and. He's raw and emotional, and that's not the time to get your fluffy answers. And he's not, and, he doesn't want to take it out on the press for yeah. asking him stupid questions. And, you know, and oh, that's his, that's his, I'm tired of this shtick. Oh, for the love of God, do you think it's a put-on? Christ almighty, spend 20 minutes with him on, you know, before a game happens and tell me it's the same person. You'll find out pretty quick it is. Ask him stupid questions, you'll get stupid answers. Mm-hmm. Or he'll leave. Yeah, or because he doesn't want to get in more trouble with the PR people on his own team who have to then clean up his mess when he goes, stop trying to coach, Brooksy. Stop trying to coach. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the uh, reporter in question who asked what ended up being the final question goes out and apologizes to his fellow brethren. Like, give me a break. You asked what you asked. I, I'm kissing it. You know. He's like, hey, I thought, you know what? I, I did this. I thought that was a great question at the absolute wrong time to ask it. You asked that question in a post-game press conference where his team just got bounced. Right? No. That You asked that question the following day in his press availability? You bet. I bet you money he would have given you a better answer. But... Mm-hmm. So Given, about having zero like emotional intelligence, you know, comments. not being able to understand like where he's coming from, and then ask not you know asking a stupid question that you know he's going to piss him off, or maybe you don't because you can't recognize you, that. Well, because you don't cover the team enough, or you just you know don't care. There's that media entitlement that they're that the that they're the coaches are there, so I you know. Like they're a captive audience to you. Show me I a coach that. The answer. And does someone like, oh, I don't know, the athletic beat writer really need a little post game quote from Torts to finish up a, a story about no. an overtime loss? No. I'm sorry, Portsline, for forgetting your name for like five seconds. Not a chance in hell. I, what's he going to tell you? Uh, we lost, they, you know. And we sucked. You know, they were better. I mean, hey, that's a great poll quote. Okay, great. 
like we're beyond the age of print deadlines because half of hockey results don't even make it into print anymore. Yeah. Prior to deadlines. How about you give the guy 30 minutes? At least let him cool down. Give you time to actually think up a question to elicit some sort of intelligent response. Yes, exactly. You know, what is something you know that you might actually get something tangible that's worth writing back? That might, that would require empathy on someone's part, and clearly nobody in that situation had any. I mean, torts. I, I'm I'm not talking about torts. I'm talking about the media. I'm talking about the people who set up the the press conference. Clearly, nobody has any empathy or emotional intelligence because they would have recognized that immediately, like in half a second, going, yeah, let's give him like a breather for like 15 or 20, and then we'll start this. But enough about Tukarask. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, they do it with the players, right? Mm -hmm. They don't shove the players there out there after like, you know, they give those guys 15, 20 minutes and... Well, supposedly, though, that's because the coach is talking to them. There's a reason for that. No, no, because they all go in and they change and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, it's not just the coach coming in and doing his post-game rah-rah. You know, the coach comes in and does his post-game rah-rah and does whatever. We fly at 11, yada, 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 and walks out. And then the first one out of the door, he's the one that gets put in that position. And meanwhile, the players are in there jumping in the shower and changing into workout clothes or you know, defunking and then coming out before they put on their streets and then they get to, you know, deal with it. Right. But, the, but I'm saying that the, the media is the excuse to the media is that Oh, the coach is talking to them. So we have to wait for the players to come out, but here's the coach. <laughs> it, just, it could have been an assistant coach, right? Well, it's his, it's their buddies, the assistant coach, because that's what the assistant coaches are there for to be a friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, brother. But there to be the team dog. Yeah, okay. I, 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 you know, I love a lot of the guys. I love a lot of the writers, but this one is just like, no, I'm not walking down that road with you. I'm not. Because there isn't a freaking coach in this league that enjoys those moronic post game press conferences. After they fall out of playoffs. Even if they win, there's not a coach that enjoys them. Well, you get this this same pablum, win or loss, from these guys. You know, they're not going to give you anything insightful after a game. Come on. So, so, so what you're saying, Patrick, is we finally found a useful use of AI to do all the hockey reporting post game. God, I would. You know what? That's exactly what they need. Again, I'm going to bring everything back to Craig Ferguson because you know, watching the clips of the show and everything, they, they just need to roll out Jeff the robot from the Craig Ferguson show. Yes, <laughs> and then because er, early Jeff the robot um, was voiced by the same guy, but initially it was not live. He just had pre-recorded stuff that he'd push, and it would make the robot do something when he pushed a certain phrase. That's what they need to do. You know, or how about not do post game press conferences and talk to them the next day after everybody's like thought about it and 
cooled down and figured out what they what, what actually happened instead of still trying to sort crap out in their heads. Maybe. Good. Oh, it's almost actually, like wait. we need things to marinate and get some perspective on things instead of immediately annoying players go up their numbers go to the rafters or they should immediately be in the hall of fame even though they're still in diapers and can barely skate is that what you're saying maybe speaking of <laughs> speaking of diapers do you know the amount of diaper changing you would have to do if you said hey no more post-game press conferences But but, but Patrick, (laughs) everyone knows the best time to get your stories is just, you know, after practice or the pregame skates when you can just have a conversation with the guy. Oh, sure. Because, yeah, you know, I'm 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 sure (laughs) at the end of what I you know what I love more than anything else on the face of the planet is when I have put in my full day of work and gone through all the meetings and been through hell and done all that kind of crap, just before I leave to go home and unwind for the night, I will. I just love having to do press interviews. That's just the best thing. You know? Who doesn't? Yeah. Who, seriously, who doesn't, right? You know? I mean, kids love them. That's why they're the part of, you know... A, a, a feature promoted item for kids tournaments now. Oh, oh, do these mock interviews that will give you a tape up. God, you know, I just, I love it. You know, I, I, I just, how'd you feel you did out there today? Well, you know what? I, I didn't quite meet my, you know, my one K lock, you know, for, for this particular project today, but I made a lot of great progress, you know, on, on, on understanding some of the new .NET framework and, and some of the Azure uh, cloud resources that came in here. I, I think as a team, you know, we got a long way to go, and we're just going to have to get that code in deep, you know, and, and, and you know, you know, and come back at it tomorrow, you know. It's all we can do today. I mean, Jesus Christ. Really, people? Okay, you guys got me going. You're, it's your job to shut me up. <laughs> Why? Why would we want to shut you up? <laughs> uh, mainly because he just triggered me by, by using some of those words. They hurt. I was going to say. <laughs> it's not fair to Pat. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I shouldn't laugh at your pain. I'm sorry. Absolutely, no, you, you should because. No, you, know. you totally should. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I, no, I mean the whole thing is just set up so ridiculously. It it really is from from top to bottom. It's like, I mean, I get that the teams need the media. The media needs the teams. This is a fact of life. However, if you are really looking for a money quote, you're not getting that right after the game. You're going to get that the next day after the coach has reviewed, you know, the recordings of it and. Or the video, I wanted to say tape and stuff. Anyway, um, has has reviewed the video and has made some, like, and instead of assumptions, has made actual, like, con- come to cl- conclusions. And, yeah, I mean, it makes no sense to me. It never has. And I don't know that anyone in the media has actually tried to really think about that. <laughs> they just know that... Oh, well, I have a deadline. I have to get my thing in by 10, so I need something now. I've just, 
Sorry, sorry yeah, for like no, just you no, know. No, <laughs> no. I, I mean you know. In the military, they have something called an after-action report or a post-action report. It depends on what branch and Debriefing. how long. You know, where you where after you go out and you do something, you you know take some time and sit down and analyze what happened, what went wrong, what went right. Yada yada yada, and then you fill out your reports, and then you go. Maybe that's what we need to do. You guys are interested in these post game press conferences so damn much. Submit your questions in writing, and we'll hand them to the team, and they can do a little after action report session with the coaches. They can all fill out these things, and then you all get them back. There. A day later, which is you know, of course. Which is- I'm not saying not later. acceptable. You'll get them back the next morning. Or, or you know, within an hour or two. Uh, what the hell? They're so interested in it. Mm-hmm. I'll go one further. No recording devices. Yeah. I'm down no, with no, no television cameras. Just go into a room, you sit down with a pen and paper, and you just talk. Well, see be what happens. Uh, Actual conversation, just... though, instead of, tell me how you feel about whatever tonight? <laughs> yeah. Can they do that? Is that legal? <laughs> They've done it before. I mean, that's how, you know, Sarah Sipian and, and, and Portsline and those guys excuse me, get such great stories sometimes is right no i know you know and so i i get the whole you know i'm 100 percent behind them on this bubble thing being an absolute backbreaker for the ability to sit down with these guys you know during a practice or a game day skate or something totally get that but you know those are better stories than any of the gamer write-ups you know and that's why so little of Kind of what's been reported these days is kind of meh. When I was blogging, I always hated doing post-game stuff. I never did any of the, this is what happened. I always just picked some aspect of the game and expanded upon it, you know, instead of doing the, so this guy scored at this time, this guy like, you know, took a bad penalty at this time and, you know, just the fact, I mean, get, get AP to write that for you, right? You don't need to actually have to write that, but you know, I always took a, a more holistic approach in the, well, so they didn't really seem like that they were on tonight and this is kind of like, you know, good game for them or big game for them. So maybe they should have been working on this when they were doing that kind of stuff, you know, but, um, and it seemed to go down well with the people who who read the blog, but I don't know. Because um, you can like, because my philosophy was go to go to AP to get the the game report, the post game report, or go to the box score, or go to NHL.com and read what the NHL.com people wrote. You don't need to repeat that and rehash that. I don't know. So um, I have a question. If we're done, we're there, oh. we're ready. 
God, we need to be done before. Throw the life, <laughs> throw the life preserver. Throw before, it. It, well, before I throw any more gasoline on like you know half the media people I'm friends with, and then well, they turn around and light themselves on fire and jump on me. Well, um, they do it to themselves. Yeah, but they they're going to take me with them. <laughs> so my question is: is this? If you were the PR person of an NHL team, how would you choose to change post-game interviews? This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.